Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, we're in our series called Just Ten, which is looking at the Ten Commandments. And uh, we started that last week. Jay John started us off last week. If anyone's listened to the podcast, and this is where they've jumped in, it sounds like we had Jay John here last week. So I'll just clarify, we watched him on a video. All right. It was a video. And uh, he took us through one of the commandments. Today, we're looking at the commandment that talks about lying. Lying. But uh, we're going to call it how to hold to the truth. How to hold to the truth. So let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, I pray, you've already spoken to us in this room through many different voices, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. And I pray that you, in this moment, you are the spirit of truth. And so I pray that as we examine your word together, I pray that you will show us where it applies to us. Help us to respond to you, and to be people who are willing to Respond to what you ask of us in your name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to approach this in two ways, in, in two sections. First, I want to talk about the lies we tell. And then uh, I'll, we'll talk about uh, something else when we get there. So the lies we tell. I don't have to tell you that lies are incredibly destructive. They have the power to destroy relationships They have the power to destroy careers, power to destroy businesses, countries. Sometimes they're used deliberately to do so, and sometimes an accidental, um, not an accidental lie, but a lie that is told can have incredible, devastating repercussions. Some of the famous lies that you'll know about, Chernobyl. When... uh, When the issues happened at Chernobyl on April the 26th, 1986, it was 36 hours between the whole thing kicking off and the government actually telling the local residents that they needed to evacuate. 36 hours. They were then told that evacuation would be temporary, so they should only take what they could carry. And uh, they weren't under any very clear guidance that said, you will not be able to return. And then, in fact, the Soviet Union kept the rest of the world in the dark until Swedish air monitors, I mean, can you believe that? Swedish air monitors picked up the dangerously levels, high levels of radiation. They started freaking out because they thought something was happening where they were. But then when they checked where they were, it wasn't them. And then they realized that somewhere something had happened. So it wasn't until the 28th of April that, um, that people started to actually confess that something had happened in Chernobyl. The health organization attributes over 5,000 cancer deaths to the Chernobyl disaster, but the exact number affected is unknown, and the area remains uninhabitable for humans. And some of those, in fact, let's say the majority of those, would probably have been avoided if right at the beginning they'd said, hey, this has gone wrong, everybody needs to get out, rather than we can fix this. Let's not let anyone know that we're 
we've made a mistake, that something has gone wrong. Lies can have incredibly destructive power. Last week in our house, we watched a movie called The Program, which is based on the cyclist Lance Armstrong. <coughs> you may have heard of him. Uh, he won the Tour de France seven times, was an amazing cyclist until in 2012, he was stripped of all of his titles because it was discovered that he was the leader of a doping program, a huge doping program, in fact. Um, he was, he was the, the organization that looked into it said he was the ringleader of the most sophisticated, professionalized, and successful doping program that sport has ever seen. Not just cycling, that sport has ever seen. So he was, he was um, taking drugs. He was, they were doing all sorts of really complicated things to get an edge so that he could win. And then, obviously, they were lying about it. In, a, in an interview with him, this is what he said. Tell me if you think he sounds repentant. He said, we did what we had to do to win. We did what we had to do to win. And here's the issue with lies. And I'm going to say this about lies, but I think actually applies to everything that we do that we know we shouldn't do. As human beings, and I find this in my own life, so please don't think that I'm telling you that this is how you are. I'm telling you that this is how I am, and I'm hoping that maybe you are similar, and so some of it means something to you. But when we do something that we know we shouldn't do, there is a disconnect inside of us, because we know we shouldn't do that. And so the only way, we've got two ways to deal with it. We can just say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have taken something. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have lied. Whatever it is, we can own up to it, and then that disconnect in us eases. Or, which is sometimes what we tend to do the most, we can find a way to justify why we did what we did. And then it makes it easier. The disconnect eases. It makes it easier for us to deal with that uncomfortable sensation inside of us, our conscience telling us that what we've just done or what we've just said is not right. So we find a reason that makes sense to us, a reason that justifies our actions. This is why sometimes when you're tempted, along with the temptation, there will be a reason as to why that is okay. And so, faced with all of the, all of the, the spotlights, the interviews, all of the things that happened to Lance Armstrong, his line was, we did what we had to do to win because that makes everything else okay. But what about the lies we tell? You're not Lance Armstrong and you're not Chernobyl. What about the lies that we tell? And I feel that <coughs> to some extent we've kind of, and I'm talking about us as humans now, we've kind of minimized maybe the, the kind of power of lies to the point that, that, that some lies are okay. So here are some things I have been encouraged to do. And maybe you've been encouraged to do these things as well. Just call in sick. Just call in sick. Because that's okay. How do we justify that? You deserve a day off. They work you hard where you are. You deserve a day off. Just call in sick. For those of you who think you never lie, here's another one for you. How are you? Fine. Fine. How was that food? Great. Love what you're wearing today. 
All of these are, are things that we may smile at because we recognize those things in ourselves. I have a massive list, but I don't want you to just go through my life and all the things that I've said. But actually, these things, we need to be careful. What does God think about lies? What does God think about lies? I remember when I discovered there's a list in the Bible of things that God hates. I remember thinking, wow, that is, that is actually there. It's in Proverbs chapter 6. It says this, these are the six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. That is a, a kind of a Hebrew um, thing that they would do just to, to make, hey, there's loads, is what they would say. There are six. In fact, there are seven. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So what do we notice about the list of seven things that God hates? It's challenged me. Well, I notice that lying appears twice. It's in that list twice. It says, a lying tongue, and then it says, a false witness who breathes out lies. So it's like God saying, I don't just hate lying. I really hate lying. It's in, it's in the list twice. And so we need to be careful because these are things that can sneak into the way that we interact with other people. They can sneak into the way that we, uh, that we behave in our society, in our environment around us. These are the ways that we can behave with our families. But actually, we need to be careful because these are things that do not make God happy. I had a friend of mine who would, well, who would call because uh, back in the day, you didn't just send messages. You would call people on that device called a telephone and you'd have conversations. And I had a friend of mine who would call and uh, we'd have long conversations. Her name was Trish. And one day she called, and I wasn't, I wasn't near the phone, so my dad answered the phone. I didn't know it was Trish. My dad is, is saying, hello, yeah, yes, mm-hmm, yep. And then there's a pause, and he said, did you want Nick? <laughs> and what happened is my dad answered the phone, and she assumed it was me, because apparently we sound similar on the phone. And so she started having a conversation with my dad. And my dad's too polite to just say, whoa, whoa, hang on, I'm not who you want. He was waiting for a break in the conversation. But Trish is Irish-American, so there's no break in any conversation ever. So eventually when he said, do you want Nick, she was horrified, absolutely horrified that she'd started talking to I was talking to my dad thinking that it was me, horrified. I obviously was highly amused. <laughs> Jesus has this conversation with the Pharisees once, and uh, they, are, they are really giving him some grief. And, I mean, Jesus is not wimpy and like, oh, please don't say horrible things to me. Jesus is telling them exactly what he thinks about them as well. So it is, it is quite a strong conversation that Jesus has with them. And he accuses them. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. I mean, those, these are not things that we're taught to say to our children, right? Please, that will not be on the parenting course. You belong to your father, the devil. That won't be on the parenting course. This is what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You belong to your father, the devil. He is the father of lies, and everything he says is a lie. I read that a couple of weeks ago, and it dawned on me. 
Who do I want to sound like? Which father do I want to sound like? Do I want to sound like my heavenly father, or do I want to sound like the father of lies? The thing is, if you allow a torrent of lies to come out of you, to go into you, to come out of you, you're going to sound like the father of lies. But if you allow yourself to listen to truth and righteousness and holiness, then guess what you're going to sound like? Truth, righteousness, and holiness. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is in your heart? Truth or lies? The lies we tell. I just want to challenge you to not, to not make reasons up as to why the things we say that we know are not good are justified. Because it isn't justified. It isn't ever justified. God wants us to be holy and righteous and to live holy and righteous lives. And those are the things that also need to come out of our mouths. I don't know if you remember this, but in the 80s, <laughs> some of you won't remember this, sorry. But in the 80s, there was a huge kind of a, kind of a movement amongst businesses where we would have some, say we, where they, I was just a child, where they would have things called motivational posters. I don't know if you remember those. You might, if you, if you don't remember them from the time, you might have seen them in TV shows. Here's an example of one, a motivational poster. You'd have a really pretty image of something, and then underneath it, it would say a word that, that really encourages you. So the one in on this one says, believe and succeed. Believe and succeed. And then under that, it would have some more text. And this one says, success is a journey. Whatever your path, it is the destined, it is the determination to succeed that will get you there. Wow. Hang that on walls in offices so people felt motivated to do their job. And then, as with everything that happens, someone came along and thought, this is good, but we can do one better. And someone invented something called a demotivational poster, which is exactly the same, but instead, it doesn't encourage you at all. So this one says, adversity, that which does not kill me, postpones the inevitable. It's not very encouraging, is it? It's a demotivational poster. Here's another one. I've got a few for you. Blame. The secret to success is knowing who to blame for your failures. It's great. Can you imagine this on your office wall? It's great, isn't it? Here's another one. <coughs> Defeat. For every winner, there are dozens of losers. Odds are, you're one of them. <laughs> if you've ever played a game called Portal 2, it sounds like GLaDOS has written these demotivational posters, because this is what she sounds like. Next one says, despair. It's always darkest just before it goes pitch black. <laughs> Are you feeling encouraged, everyone? <laughs> feeling encouraged? These are great posters. Here's another one. Consulting. If you're not part of the solution, there's good money to be made in prolonging the problem. Consult. If you're a consultant, I apologize. I did not come up with this poster. That's just a poster. I think there's one more. Two more. Fear. Until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore, you will not know the terror of being forever lost at sea. <laughs> oh, man. One more. Losing. 
If at first you don't succeed, failure may be your style. <laughs> now, those posters are tongue-in-cheek, okay? The person who created those posters wasn't, wasn't trying to say, these are things you should believe. It was a kind of a movement against the whole motivational poster um, kind of thing that was happening. So, don't, you know, don't shoot the messenger, as it were. They're only supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. But here is the thing. Here is the thing. It's not just about the lies that we tell that I think um, that, that, that commandment is about when it says do not lie. It's not just about the lies that we tell. I think it is also about the lies that we believe. Not just the lies that we tell, but the lies that we believe. Because as funny as some of those posters are, I know for a fact that in my life there have been times where I've had demotivational posters hung up on the walls of my heart. And it may not say things like, you know, unless you've, unless, <laughs> unless you've ever, you've never left the shore, you'll not know the terror of forever being lost at sea. But it will say things like, you are not good enough. You're not good enough. And I'll have, there have been times where I've had that poster up on the wall of my life. Or you're not worthy enough or why are you even doing this job or people don't care what you think you need to stop talking things like that have been up on the walls of my life and I know that I'm not the only person who will have things like that in their lives what is essentially a lie that you have believed it isn't just about the lies that we tell it is also about the lies that we believe. Genesis chapter 3, if we go back to where it all started. <coughs> it says this, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Uh, Clayton King, who's an author and a pastor, wrote a book called Overcome. And he said, there are times when lies get into our way of thinking. And we need to be careful when that happens because there are four things that happen. The lies will infiltrate, then there'll be an insinuation, then we'll be intimidated, and then we will recreate our reality. Insin infiltrate, insinuate, intimidate, recreate our reality. And that's kind of what happens here. The serpent kind of infiltrates the conversation, infiltrates the garden, and then says to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? There's an insinuation there that maybe God didn't actually say what you think he said. Did God really say? And then there is an encouragement. You will not surely die, the serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened 
and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then she takes it because she's accepted that this is the reality that she wants. And so she recreates her reality. And we have to be careful with lies because if we believe something that is not true and it really gets into us, it will reshape decisions that we make, it will reshape conversations that we have, it will reshape where we go and how we live, and it will all be based on something that is not true. We have to be careful about the lies that we believe. Last week in the video, J. John did that really cool thing with a $20 bill where he says, this is a $20 bill, it's worth $20. And he throws it on the floor, stands on it and rubs it on the floor and he picks it up and says, it's dirty now, but it's still worth $20. And then he crunches it up and it's all crumpled and gross and covered in dirt. And he says, it is still worth $20. We cannot believe lies about our worthiness because we are worth everything. We celebrated that this morning when we broke bread together. Dr. Rob, who wrote a book called Soul Care, makes this point really, really well. He says some people are affected by identity. They, they have to prove themselves. Some people are affected by performance. They have to do well in order to feel love. And some people are affected by, by encouraging words. People have to say things that are encouraging to them in order for them to feel value. But he makes a very good point. He says, your value was settled at the cross. You don't have to do well or to succeed or anything. You don't have to do anything to have value. Your value was settled at the cross. So if you have a poster in your life that says, I'm not worthy, you need to rip it off the wall because it is not true. You are worth the Son of God giving his life for you. So why do we lie? Why do we lie? When I think of the lies that I have told, I remember in school making stuff up that I got for Christmas. <laughs> in primary school, going back to school and telling people what I'd got as presents for Christmas when it clearly wasn't true. And I went too far. That, uh, too much sci-fi as a child. And, and so... Uh, the, the things that I said that I got for Christmas did not exist in the real world. And so it was a really easy lie to get caught out telling. But I wanted to fit in with everyone else who said what they got, and I didn't get any of those things. And so I made up a lie because I thought the lie that I believed was, I don't matter unless I have the same stuff that you do. That was the lie I believed. And so the lie I believed made me tell another lie. I was thinking about these two things, you know, when, when I knew that I was speaking on this topic and I was praying and I felt that God wanted me to talk about the lies that we tell and the lies that we believe. And so I knew that I had those two things. So I was thinking about it and praying about it and just, it was just going over my head. And for those of you who wonder how God speaks to you, this is an example of how God speaks to you. Sometimes you can be waiting, sometimes you can be thinking, and then sometimes something that had not occurred to you just comes across your thoughts. Just comes, not something that you're not thinking about, just comes across your thoughts. And you know, it resonates inside you, and you know, that is not what I was thinking, but that sounds like God. So I'm there thinking, the lies that we tell, we can talk about those things. The lies that we believe, 
we can talk about those things. And it's almost like I heard a voice whisper, what if the lies that we tell are because of the lies that we believe? What if the lies that we tell are because of the lies that we believe? And I thought, that must be you, Lord, because it sounds smart. And I know who I am. What if the lies that we tell are because of the lies that we believe? And I think that if you examined every lie that you have told, let's not pretend that we've never told lies. If you examine every lie that you've told, I think you will find underneath that a lie that you have believed that has motivated you to tell that lie. Something that you've believed that actually isn't true, but you've believed it, and because of that, it has caused you to tell a lie. Maybe the lies we tell are because of the lies we believe. So what, what can we do? I mean, what can we do about that? Jesus had a conversation with his disciples in John chapter 14. And uh, he was talking about heaven and talking about the Father. And one of the disciples says, hey, all of this stuff, show us the way. Jesus says this wisdom bomb. Verse 6. I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I come back to this verse in my head when people say and when I hear phrases like, well, you live your truth. No, there is a truth, the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And so the, the way that we deal with the lies that we potentially can believe is we make sure that we are close enough to the truth for the truth to point out the lies in us, for the truth to point out those things inside us that are underneath the reasons why we say or do things so that we can become people who are changed by the truth. We need to be people and have actions and attitudes like Simon Peter. When people, disciples and people who were in the crowd left Jesus one day, he turns to the disciples and he says, so are you guys going to go as well? Simon Peter says in John 6, 68, who, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There is no other option, Simon was saying. There's no other option. You have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go where well, we can hear the truth. And sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. I'm not saying that the truth is always fun. Sometimes the truth is uncomfortable. But I want to live a life that is centered on and built on the truth of who Jesus is and what he says to me, about me. I want to live there rather than on something that is a lie. The truth is, deliberately, the truth is we are already up against it. Because our society, the world around us, the, the conversations that happen around us, they're not wanting to point us to the truth. They're wanting to point us to, to your truth or whatever you believe or however you want to live. Be yourself. All of that kind of stuff. They want to point us to, to that kind of fluffy nonsense. Which means that we have to ensure that we are soaking in the truth on a daily basis so that lies don't infiltrate our hearts. We have to ensure that what is going in is truth all the time, so that when lies try to get in, there isn't any space. 
There's no room. It's just truth. Let me end with these thoughts. Just because you're thinking it doesn't make it true. Just because you're feeling it doesn't make it true. I read a story of a guy who was sharing his testimony, and he was saying the importance of knowing the truth. And he said, it's important because a lie nearly killed me. He said, I believed a lie, and that lie nearly killed me. This, the lie was this. The world would be better off without me. That is a lie. That is a lie. The world would be better off without me is a lie from the pit of hell. And he got to the point where he recognized that that was a lie. And it was affecting his life. It was affecting the decisions he wanted to make. It was affecting the choices he was going to make. He realized that it was a lie. And he brought it to the cross of Jesus. And allowed who Jesus is and what Jesus said about him to have an impact on his life. The world would be better off without me. What a terrible lie. But when we believe things that aren't true, it can affect the decisions that we make. And I don't want any of us, particularly me, because I'm preaching to myself so hard this morning, but I don't want any of us to be living in a place where we are believing lies, where we're believing things that God has not said, because I don't want us to be making decisions that aren't in line with who God wants us to be or where God wants us to go. He has things that, that he wants us to do. He has people that he wants us to connect with. He has a, kil- a kingdom that he wants to build. But that has to be on people who are trusting in him, who are holding on to the truth of who he is and what he has said. And so I want us to bow our heads for a moment. <coughs> I will ask you to respond this morning. I want us to bow our heads for a moment. I went for a walk yesterday. And... Uh, my plan for the walk was, I was going to say, God, I want you to give me a list, a list of lies that people are believing so I can see them out and so people can hear the lies and know that they are, that they're not true. And that was my, that, that was my plan. And as I was walking, I, I thought, Holy Spirit, you do and would do a much better job of this than me stood at the front saying stuff. So I know that as I'm talking, and I know before when we looked at the demotivational posters, and I talked about demotivational posters on the hearts of your life, I know that there are people in this room who know exactly what it says on the demotivational poster on the heart of their lives. I know that you know exactly what it says. And sometimes we know it's a lie, but it's almost easier to believe the lie than to believe the opposite. Sometimes it's easier, but it is a lie. It is a lie. And then for some of us, we're not quite sure. We know that we make mistakes, and we know that we do stuff, and we know that sometimes we think little of ourselves, and we're not quite sure what the specific lie is that we've believed, but we know that we've believed something that isn't true because of the way that that sometimes we behave when we respond. And so here's what I want you to do. In this quiet moment... I want you to say, God, will you show me if I am believing a lie and what that lie is? With your head still bowed, 
This is definitely for someone in the room. Because it cut across my thinking. Some years ago, I was listening to the radio. There was a song playing on the radio. I don't know why God speaks to me through songs. But I felt God say to me as this song was playing, it wasn't a song about Jesus at all. But I felt like God said to me, you need to take the chorus of this song and tell someone that I knew, someone that was very close to, say, this is what God says to you. So I did. And she had, I guess, in the same terms I'm talking about, she had a demotivational poster on the wall of her life that said she was going to be alone. But the, the song, the, the piece of the song that I felt God wanted to say to her was this, she will be loved. She will be loved. And there is maybe more than just one person in this room, but there is someone in this room who has a poster in their hearts that says you won't be loved or that you will be alone. God says to you this morning, that is a lie. You will be loved. You are loved. And you will be loved. And so if you are here this morning and you know that there is a poster in your life, in the wall, on the wall of your heart, that says something that shouldn't be there, I just want you to stand. I want to pray for us all. I'm not going to ask you what it is. That is ridiculously personal. But if you know there is a poster on the wall of your heart that has something that is a lie, I just want you to stand where you are. <coughs> and what we're going to do is we're going to rip these posters down. Just like when children go to university and their parents decide to redecorate the bedroom, we're going to rip the posters down. So God, I pray, your word says, do not lie. And I pray that you help us with that. But Lord, even more than that, deeper than that, I pray for my brothers and sisters here who are recognizing that there are things in their lives that they have believed that are not true. And Lord, whether that be something that was spoken over them, whether it be something that is their their experience, their environment, whether it's something that they have made themselves believe. We just speak against it in Jesus' name. We break the power of the enemy in Jesus' name. And Lord, we tear those posters off the walls. We tear those whispers out of our heads. We tear those lies away in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that in us, that you will replace those posters with your truth, with what you say about us, with who you have called us to be, that we will live, that we will stand on your truth, that we will live close to your truth, and that truth will emanate from us. Lord, do not let the enemy destroy our futures, our destinies, our connections, any of those things that could be destroyed if we continue to believe this lie. I pray that you will bring restoration and healing and a sense of purpose in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just grab your seats for a moment. Listen, we're up against it. And so it may be sometimes we have a moment where we pray and God does something and it is amazing. 
But let me, let me encourage you to do this. If there is a particular lie that you know has infiltrated your thinking, find some scripture that is the opposite, that not is the opposite of the lie, but that is the truth. Find some scripture that is the truth. Write it on a post-it note and stick it where you will see it every day. And every day, say that truth to yourself because we're up against it. Because the world that John Mark Comer in his book, Live No Lies, Live No Lies, identifies three things they were up against. We're up against the world, we're up against the enemy, we're up against the flesh. Those three things are against us all the time. And if we want to win the battle, we have to start fighting. And so one of the ways that we can fight is by making sure we get truth in us every day. Truth in us every day. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com. Thank you.